Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. 41 days until the most important election of our lives. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we all can make a difference right now. We really can. There is so much justice and hypocrisy happening this week, it's hard to unpack it all. So we're going to stay focused on what it means for our democracy to win the midterms and what we can all do right now to make sure that happens. So helping me to discuss with hope, anger, and jokes is the co-host of We're Speaking and the Game We're In on Lincoln Project TV, Maya May. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. Who are the pictures behind you? Oh, that is actually my grandfather, my mom, and then like my great aunts um, in like on the farm. Like you can't see very well, but they're on the porch in like rural North Carolina. So it's like I stole them from my mom, <laughs> but I have them here because it's like I have them as a reminder of what my ancestors had to go through. And it's absolutely nothing compared to what. Right. I have to go through. So how dare I ever be like, oh, my God, life's so hard. Yeah. Is it, though? Well, you know, it's all relative. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I had this conversation yesterday. That's the thing. It's not – it's like it's all relative because we say it's all relative. It's actually not. Like psychologists say that too and I'm just like, oh, but it's like it's actually not relative. That's just like our convenient thing to say so that we can feel better about complaining. That's – sorry, you're getting like dark Maya today. <laughs> I like dark Maya. By the way, everybody, let's just jump right in because uh, we've got Maya May here helping us break down everything. She's a comedian, writer. Her mom. She's the co-host of We're Speaking and the Game We're In on Lincoln Project TV. Her Twitter bio doesn't say Dark Maya. It actually says optimistic for democracy and furious enough to fight for it, which I can relate to. And I think that describes our listeners really well, too. So you're the perfect person to help us break down the week. And um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to say that it's not all relative when, you know, my straight old white ass maleness is uh, is sitting here you know having a conversation with you about you know what is or what isn't uh, a struggle right now in, in this fascist Facts. you know society so <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that you own that because it's incredibly important because i have had some of my cishet white men complain to me how, about how difficult it is for them to get jobs in hollywood now and i'm like me wow. you're going to complain to me about that so i think we move forward as a country when we all uh, own up to our own levels of privilege um, and and we all in different ways have it so uh yeah so it's this isn't this is i guess it's not dark maya it's the it's the part of maya that's the, the furious enough to fight for it maya is what you're getting today <laughs> i love it I lo well that very appropriate because we have what 41 days until the midterms and so uh if we're all not uh, a little furious and fighting for it right now then um you're tuning into the wrong things. But um, I, before, before we start talking about the news, though, I, um, this is my first chance to meet you and talk to you. So I, I, I'm curious how you got into the uh, progressive political uh, media landscape. Like what, you know, what got you started in this? 
You know, it's funny because I'm actually using my degrees, which few people ever get to do. But okay. I have a I have a liberal arts degree from Grinnell College, which makes PCU, if you remember that movie, <laughs> um, makes PCU look like Liberty University or some such thing. Uh, Grinnell is a tiny school in the middle of Iowa, very progressive. So I studied poli sci there, uh, and then I have my master's in creative writing from University of Miami. So, um, yeah, so I'm combining my love for the, you know, words messaging with what I originally wanted to do, which was be a civil rights lawyer. Um, But then I saw all my attorney friends were sad. They're very sad. (laughs) And I I just don't feel like sadness is the way to move the world forward. Sorry, attorney people listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So you went from civil rights attorney to comedian, hosting political shows and just the the culmination of all of your talents. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the um, shortened version of it. I was kind of known for somebody who was very political in their comedy, like any of my stand up sounds like it's going to start with, oh, she's talking about like snacking. And then all of a sudden it's commentary on the Taliban. So it's mm. like the twists and turns of my comedy and my life have always been. Who, by the, the way, by the way, the, you know, there's a lot of things to hate the Taliban for, but they do have good snacks. So I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this was a this was a, the bit is about how we how how we things start in a certain way and we'll end up in a different way. And so I I won't do the bit for you, but it's actually one of my favorite (laughs) bits. Um, But because of that being the main focus of my comedy, when the Lincoln Project was looking for a new co-host for We're Speaking, which is the show I co-host with Lisa Senegal, they were looking for somebody who um, could bring a different perspective, um, perhaps a, a fun, you know, as you know, the Lincoln Project is full of really funny people anyway. So I Mm -hmm. sometimes feel like they're funnier than a lot of the comedians I know. (laughs) So uh, it was kind of just like a natural connection of what I love and what I'm into and the work that they're doing. Uh, So uh, they reached out and I was like, "Uh, yeah, most definitely. And here we are. It's almost, uh, gosh, almost two years later now. Wow. Um, And uh, you spent the last week in D.C. I uh, was kind of not stalking. That's a weird way to put it. But I was looking at <laughs> your your social medias, and uh, and I think I saw you were at the Elton John event at the White House. Is that right? I absolutely was. Oh my god! And talk about that. Yeah, it was it was as amazing as one would think. I, I've always been a huge Elton John fan, and when the invite came in, I thought it was spam. I was like, "There's." what is this? Like, no way. Uh, and it was actually not an invite for me. It was an invite for my daughter. Uh, and I am her plus one for all of the cool things that she gets to do. She's 14. And for the last uh, three plus years, she's been um, working with an organization called Gender Cool. She is a advocate for LGBTQ youth and Gender Cool is specifically for trans and non-binary youth. And they're advocating for uh, a life 
life that is free of the attacks that the GOP seems to be launching left and right. So the evening was amazing. It was like a celebration of, uh, I think it was a like hope in history rhyme. It comes from a poem that Joe Biden loves. And it was really great because it was like, oh, the power of uh, bringing community together with music and healing in a place that is traditionally uh, the seat of power for the right. free world. Yep. Um, and so seeing all that diversity there and that love there just was like a nice reminder of like the power of community and the power of positivity and how we can use art as activism. So uh, to me, it was an incredible evening and I geeked out and took pictures with many people. <laughs> wow. What an amazing family. Congratulations to your incredible daughter for that work. You must just be bursting with pride at 14 to be doing all that. It's yeah. incredible. No, absolutely. I mean, we're watching everything that Gen Z is doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of us adults are like, wow, this is not just inspiring, but it's also a kick in the pants that we need to be out there as well. Like we're just watching, you know, what the kids are doing in Virginia. Uh, protesting against Glenn Youngkin and all of these anti-trans policies that he is trying to roll out. And these kids are saying no. Um, a lot of people think Gen Z is active, but that they're not going to vote. And I'm like, eh, I think we're going to see uh, quite a bit of turnout from Gen Z. So we should try to match them. It should be like a competition. We say, like, who can show the, most, <laughs> the highest yeah. turnout? Will it be Gen Z or Gen X? It's it's going to be uh, – it's definitely not going to be Gen X. It's going to be hard to beat the Gen Zs. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that the, the reason uh, why the huge mistake that pollsters and campaigns make is um, uh, because they don't have a history of voting because, you know, they just don't hit that high propensity voter score. Uh, they get left out. They get left out of the conversation. They get left out of outreach. And um, uh, they are going to show up in a big way. And, uh, and to your point uh, – a couple of weeks ago, we had Santiago Mayer on on the show. Who is the, yes, you know him, of course. He's incredible. Just got you know, assaulted by Marjorie Taylor Greene recently too. That was that was fun. She likes to kick young activists. You know, that's yeah. that's like her trip is is harassing you know kids who are fighting for their very lives. Um, well, it shows how much of a threat um, these young kids are to a lot of these GOP politicians because they can't figure out how to shut them up. They can't figure out how to shut them down. And so their alternative is harassment and violence. And so if that's all they've got as far as strategy, we absolutely know Gen Z is going to see through that because that's I mean, that's they've spent their lifetime online. They're digital natives. And so they see through the BS in ways that older people don't. Like Gen Z is not falling for any online scams. Let's put it that way. And yeah. the GOP yeah. at this point is an online scam. So they're right. It's an online grift. That's all it is, you know, and um, continues to be. Uh, they are amazing. They've been through so much. They're also resilient. This is one thing that Santiago said that really made sense and gave me a lot of hope is you think about what Gen Z has walked through in their lives already. Like they, they haven't known a school experience that didn't include gun violence uh, and, and sh active shooter drills, or they've been affected by it directly or know someone that has been. Uh, right. They have the, um, you know, we all are faced with the existential threat of climate change, but it's very intimate uh, with them. Obviously, they are leading uh, in, in the fight for our environment. And then the pandemic, they've, they've lived through that and come out 
you know, we're not quite at the other side of it now, but um, but they they're just resilient. They they mm-hmm. they haven't known a time without war. Uh, they they've been around since we've been at war in in, in the Middle East. So um, uh, I have a lot of that. They give me a lot of hope. And we're jumping ahead to what gives us hope, and I I just jumped on it. But um, well, I think it's important to sprinkle hope throughout the conversation. A lot of times yeah. we like to save hope for the end, and like we're gonna close out with hope. And I'm all like, no, nah, let's just like sprinkle that all throughout life. Um, but I you know I think it's a good point about um, what Gen Z has faced. Um, as they are growing up, because I'm from Gen X, like I'm from the generation where we had to duck under our desks and do the whole uh, nuclear Mm -hmm. uh, fallout drills. And that was like a threat that wasn't very real. It was like this out there threat. We didn't actually know anyone who'd suffered from an attack, whereas Gen Z is having to do these active shooter drills and they see it happening at schools left and right. So it's a much more imminent threat to them than what we had to deal with. And so I think they're, it's, it's, they're coming at politics from an understanding that you cannot separate politics from real life. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm not into politics. I'm apolitical. I don't really see much of that at all from any of the Gen Z kids that I've interacted with. Obviously, it might be a self-selected population, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. but um, but it does seem like they're much more aware of the effect of legislation on their lives. I think so. Um all right. Well, let's talk about some of the news the last week. Um, Do we have to? <laughs> that is the point of this, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. We, well, we were just talking before we start. Like, you know, I've been uh, busy today and then quickly checking Twitter before, you know, like, do I have to blow up the show? Is there anything new that's happened? And um, and yeah, pretty much I have no idea what we're going to talk about now because everything's blown up. Um, first of all, uh, I, I, you know, last week we were um, – you know, sending out our well wishes to people who were affected by Hurricane Fiona. Uh, now Hurricane Ian is making landfall in, in Florida. So we hope everyone stays safe um, uh, and uh, and finds, finds safety from that. Uh, as a result of that, um, apparently the J6 hearing is being postponed that was happening tomorrow. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think um – Sometimes I'm like, I'm one of those people that everything happens for a reason. And I am actually glad that the January 6th hearings are postponed because there hasn't been as much anticipation for what's going to be talked about Mm. in this uh, particular hearing, because I think people are so right now distracted by everything that's going on in politics. And so it feels like Mother Nature is giving us a chance to regroup. My apologies to people in Florida. I've obviously lived through hurricane season having uh, gone to University of Miami. So I understand what the prep is like and um, the panic and realizing, you know, it's maybe time to get out of Dodge. Um, So obviously sending prayers to the people in Florida. Um, But this is a time, I think, where we all need to regroup because this hurricane is also an effect uh, from climate change. And so we're going to see more and more intense uh, storms. Everybody keeps saying that and we keep seeing that. And so um, I think it's a reminder, but it's also a time for us to um, reflect and actually get people paying attention to what's about to happen with this next uh, committee hearing. Um, You know, I really I remember what the first you know, groupings of them, 
everybody was tweeting about it. It was the conversation in political Twitter. Now, you know, regular Twitter, no one really talking about it. But I'm not really seeing the energy around. Is there around. a regular Twitter? I didn't. Yeah, I, I know, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> I want access to that Twitter. Like, I have, yeah. like, like, black Twitter is amazing. Like, I was very much enjoying black Twitter. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, Black Twitter and Irish Twitter. We won't talk about that. But uh, but I will say, like, it's really important for us to focus right now. And so postponing the committee is gives us time to focus on what really matters going into the midterms, which is obviously, yes, we want Trump to be held accountable. We want to make sure that the election systems hold in the way that they need to be held. But we also want people to focus on voter registration, voter turnout, um, making sure we have enough poll watchers. And so this gives us a time, uh, a chance to regroup and then also make sure people are paying attention to the January 6th committee hearings when they do come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talked about it in the perfect terms for our show because we always talk about the news and then what you can do about it. What What's our role in what's going on? And, um, you know, there's so much uh, justice happening, thankfully, that's very exciting um, on so many fronts. It's hard to keep track of it. Um, but to your point, really important that we stay focused. And, you know, I think the biggest takeaway one thing that I, I wanted to talk about was Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, you know, literally running away from being served a subpoena. And um, the uh, Secret Service agents have had their phones confiscated now. And, um, you know, like all this stuff is coming to a head. What What is really important for us to remember is if we do not hold the House, all of these January 6th committee investigations go away. We know this. Because McCarthy said it and the Republicans said it. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, it, it becomes like investigating the investigators and, and throwing uh, more fuel on the big lie. And um, the stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah, I'm just so glad that you said that because I honestly am so mired in everything that's going on that I forget that, yes, they've already said what they plan to do if they take the House. And so we need to be screaming that uh, when people are wondering what are the implications of not voting in the midterms? What are the implications of uh, deciding to sit this one out? The implications are that all of this work that has been done to hold people accountable is just going to kind of go to waste. And we can't have that. We can't. And um You know, it seems like such a counterintuitive argument to make if you're running for office because we've seen the polls that say the number one issue facing voters right now is uh, our democracy, is, you know, saving our democracy. And then since Roe was overturned, we've seen a a huge surge in women registering to vote. And we saw the referendum in Kansas. And uh, and we know that the overwhelming majority of of Americans favor women having autonomy over their own health care choices. And then Social Security is something that uh, we have relied on, that seniors rely on to stay out of poverty. It's been the most- That we pay into. That we pay into, (laughs) and it's the most successful anti-poverty program in the history of our country. Yet the Republicans are out there saying that they're going to pass a federal abortion ban, that they want to privatize and get rid of Social Security, and they're going to shut down any investigation into the insurrection that happened on our Capitol. 
And they're also not going to want to be held accountable um, to any sort of laws. And so when you mention the Ken Paxton thing, it's like this guy is uh, fleeing from being served. Like he doesn't want to be served a subpoena. This is a man who is the attorney general. He's the attorney general. <laughs> and he's like, I know how to deal with this. I just run away and then I don't have to to be served. I, if they don't yeah, hand a- it to me, then it didn't happen. Yeah, and I guess they had to leave it in the driveway. And if you saw some of his excuses, it was like, oh, well, he was shouting unintelligible things at me. I didn't know what it was. Like, He was this, scurred. He was scurred yeah, for his safety. <laughs> it, it's, it's insane. Tough, tough man. It's, yeah. He's a, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, there's a reckoning. It's a good time to donate to Beto and all the candidates in Texas, for, you know, um, and uh, – all of our candidates. I mean, this this is where our focus needs to be, 41 days out. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up uh, that we can definitely do something about is the Electoral Count Act, which passed the House. It's now going into the Senate this week. And um, there's actually a good chance, fingies crossed, that we get uh, bipartisan support on this. I heard McConnell might be supporting it. Is that... Accurate? Are you talking about Cinema's uh, bestie McConnell? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about look. That. None of us are going to be Lucy with the football. <laughs> like we we know better than that. But um, but it is important to know. Klobuchar was on um, Rachel Maddow last night talking about it and uh, and said that she thinks that you know realistically we could have the ten votes from Republicans that we need to pass this. You would think. That this wouldn't, again, be something that would be hard to pass in a bipartisan fashion because what it is, it's bolstering up the um, Electoral Count Act so that people can't bring alternate electors and and question the will of the people and o- try to overturn a free and fair election. Seems seems universally agreeable reasonable. and reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But um, for us, you know, call your senators, make sure that – they are voting yes on this, and um, you know, hopefully, we can get this passed. This was a very small part of the Voting Rights Act that we wanted to pass, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that that got filibustered, and uh, we weren't able to pass. Uh, so it doesn't fix everything. We have a lot more work to do, but it's a, a very important step. Yeah, it's a good preventative measure. You know, when we're thinking about uh, risk mitigation, uh, we want to make sure that you know. If things don't happen the way we want to in some of these midterm elections, we want to make sure that these election deniers that are running for office, that if they do get in, uh, that they don't have uh, all of this leeway to go ahead and try to overturn the results of a free and fair election. So we must strengthen our democracy. This is like all of that prep, all of the things that we are now recognizing. Oh, you know, there's a <laughs> there's a hole over there. We got to plug it like it's like this is mm-hmm. this is how we go about strengthening it as we uh, move along into the, the future. So, yes, please. Call your senators. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, there's so many so many like norms that now need to be codified, things that, you know, we never thought anyone would, you know, abuse the power of the presidency the way that Donald Trump did, you know, and um, the audaciousness of, of what, what we found out were, were not really codified, that there was some wiggle room to do some really nefarious, terrible things and be a huge grifter in office as president and not be accountable for that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like when you see those signs like at a, at a store and you're like, wow, somebody 
somebody had to have done that, like the no shirt, no shoes, no service. Oh, so somebody had to have gone in there without any shoes on for them to make a rule about it. And so, yeah, as uh, we're going to have all sorts of crazy rules going into the future, like thou shall not, you know, plot a coup in an insurrection if you are president. Um, yeah, that's. Um, should be and sadly, Republicans don't don't want to codify those rules because it's the only way they can stay in power is um, is by uh, you know subverting the will of the people. So it's going to take a overwhelming majority in the Senate against again making Cinnamansion less relevant, so we can get rid of that pesky filibuster and uh, imagine the things we can do. Then we've already done a lot. We've done an incredible imagine. amount. All the things we can do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this I is like, the hope part. Imagine all. Gonna dro- yes. should drop a beat on top of that. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, so much going on. Uh, we just touched the, the, the little bit of it. But um, we have a segment here that we call Hero of the Week, where we like to recognize someone that may not be at the forefront of the news, but needs recognition. So let's talk about our hero of the week. All right. Yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have a hero of the week to share with us, Maya? I, I actually do. I actually Great, do. Because you're our guest. Uh, Yes. Uh, her name is Amber Briggle, and she is a mom of a trans youth out of Texas who, uh, when Ken Paxton decided to uh, send uh, Child Protective Services after families, uh, sent them after this family, mm. and they he had actually dined, broke bread with this family. And wow. what I what I love about Amber is – in the process of making sure that she is protecting the rights of not just her child, but other children, she is maintaining a feisty, feisty spirit. And so today she called him out for fleeing when she and her family are under attack and did not flee. They stayed in their state because, you know, a lot of families do decide to leave and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But she decided she was going to stay and fight. And so she uh, said that, all the trans children in Texas are braver than Ken Paxton in a hundred percent. And so she is my hero. Uh, and if you look her up, she's been on a, you know, she, she does get some recognition. She's been on a few of the, the shows. Um, but I think she needs more recognition because she is fighting the good fight in a less than hospitable climate. So she is my hero. And I think we can all learn from, uh, from what, it, what it looks like to, to, you know, dig your heels in and fight. Love that. Thank you for recognizing her. And that does perfect segue from, uh, God, what a hypocritical asshat Ken Paxton is. Just going to say that again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's no way. It's like I I, I keep – I made a video the other day because it was like, you know, Thumper's mom is like, you don't got nothing nice. Don't say nothing at all. Oh, fuck that. That ship sailed a long time ago. (laughs) Hello. It's like it's not a dinner party. There's, we can't be polite with these fascists. It's like you just got to call them out over and over again. If we don't speak truth to power, much like how Amber's doing, um, they're going to just roll right over us. And so it's like we'll get back to being nice when once we uh, can get back to discussing policies that are actually about improving the lives of Americans and how different ways to do that as opposed to trying to delegitimize the existence of an entire population right. of people. Then we can talk about about being polite. There we go. Sorry. Well said. <laughs> Sorry. Well said. Um, okay, so 
we're going to get to the Hopi. Th- we're going to get back around to oh. our Hopi stuff. But first, uh, we have our to-do list for this week. So uh, I have uh, two to-do items for our listeners. One is uh, Vote Forward's Letter Writing Week of Action is underway. Are you familiar with the organization Vote Forward? I'm not. I'd love to hear oh, about great. it. Oh, great. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad to turn you on to Vote Forward. They're an amazing organization that writes letters to voters. Um, and these letters have been shown to be extremely effective. Uh, they've been – they did a lot of research around them with um, the Research Collective and the Analyst Institute and um, – uh, I, I'm thinking off the top of my head. I don't have the research in front of me, but it's it's like a, a point and a half uh, movement, which makes it just shy of knocking on doors as the most effective voter contact to get people to vote. Uh, so it goes canvassing, letter writing with these specific letters that use some kind of social pressure language, and then you write your own message to voters in there as well. You handwrite their address on the envelope, and uh, and so I love people it. are getting this in the mail, and um, that's so analog. I you know so it's very hipster, right? I it's a th- I, I well I'm loving it because I've always said that I'm like an analog girl trying to survive in a digital world, and so um, it's good to know that people like that personal touch of that. I could see myself handwriting some letters, going to do some stretching, some hand stretches first. Yeah, they they've gotten very popular, uh, and they've really made a big difference. Um, and they target, uh, you know, communities that aren't often reached out to by campaigns that um, campaigns sometimes call low propensity voters. I like to call them high potential voters um, because that's really what they are. Hope. Right. Yay. <laughs> Here I go again being all hopey. Um, so anyway, uh, it's their letter writing week of action. Uh, they need your help to reach their goal of 160,000 letters to voters by Sunday. That's this Sunday, October 2nd. Um, we will have the link in our show notes, uh, uh, of course, with where you can get involved, but it's voteforward.org. And um, I think our listeners know about the great work that they're doing, but write some letters. Uh, and then the second thing is uh, every week, our listeners keep donating. Every week, I keep asking for more. <laughs> <laughs> That suck the way that politics is. Like, you know, it's like, haven't we given enough? We gotta enough? meet the system where it's at. This is where it's at, is we could drive ourselves crazy banging our heads against the wall right now, wishing that it were something that it's not, but we do have to play the game we're in. That's how we're that's how we win. Gotta play the game we're in. Nice, nice plug for your show as well. I like that. That was very smooth. <laughs> um so uh actually it was a nice combo of your show and my show. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um Anyway, uh, yes, we need more. We can't compete with the $40 million Republican dark money donors. And, of course, the Republicans aren't voting for the Disclose Act either because they don't want that disclosed. Um, We, however, have raised now, as of today, $125,000 for our fund. And so you guys are doing amazing. Let's let's see if we can hit $150,000 by next week. I think we can make up that $25K. Go to www.howwewinfund.com, and that will be in our show notes as well. Those are your to-do list items. Now, before I let you go, uh, we like to finish off with our reasons for hope. Um, I'll start because I have kind of a silly one, but it's, it is uh, a pretty cool one. Okay. We hit a small asteroid with a rocket to save our planet. <laughs> 
Like we literally shot a rocket up past Mars to this little asteroid that was orbiting a larger asteroid and hit it to see if we could knock an asteroid off its course in case it was coming towards Earth. And we, in fact, were successful doing that. We did it. We knocked that. We knocked that asteroid right off its damn course <laughs> with a rocket, and that gives me hope for uh, for humanity. That at least really reaching for the stars with this reaching one. Reaching for the stars. Thank you. I mean, at least the sweet relief of us all getting wiped off the face of the earth in one fail swoop won't happen anytime soon. But maybe you know, depending on the size of the asteroid, who am I to say? But. Um, that that actually gives me hope that we we can still do big big things like that. That means, um, and I swear I'm not just ripping this off from Rachel Maddow because I know she talked about this, and I'd already written this in my notes before she talked about it last night. But doing big things like that means that we can each do little things in our community and uh, and achieve incredible results. So that gives me hope. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That gives me hope, too. Um, I would like the planet to continue to exist. Um, and what gives me hope, um, and I know people have been saying it a lot, but I'm going to keep saying it because repetition matters. Mm. The diversity and representation that Gen Z has come to expect because they've lived with it, they've uh, witnessed it on TV, on their TV programs. If they see something that is not diverse, they call it out. Uh, the social emotional learning that they have grown up with to have empathy. I am so very, very energized and hopeful to see that all of those students, I think something like 90 high schools walked out today to show their support for their fellow students, for transgender students who do not make up that big of a part of the population. Right. So to see that kind of allyship, that reminder that it's important to uh, step up for communities that are under attack, that are marginalized, to see that they all did that is uh, beautiful, it fills me with hope. Mm. It reminds me that we actually control the House and the Senate right now and that we actually have a Democratic president, like a person who really cares about democracy, who invites the LGBT community into the White House, onto the South Lawn to enjoy a celebration uh, of music with Elton John. And so sometimes it requires us shifting our perspective just a little bit to see that we don't have to look out here for hope because hope exists right now. Like hope is in every single one of us. And so that's what gives me hope. It's like we're, we're in the final stretch and we've got this as long as we just keep our energy up and remind ourselves of all of the good things that are going on and we maintain that gratitude. Like I'm all about that gratitude muscle right now. I'm mm. glad that I'm not fighting the fight that my great grandparents had to fight or my grandparents had to fight. Maybe I'm fighting some of the fights that my mom's generation had to fight, but I'm grateful that um, we're moving in the right direction ever so slowly. And so, yeah, that's it. That's my hope. I'm always hopeful. I'm a hopeful person, except for when I'm furious. What happened to Dark Maya? <laughs> she's just a distant, oh, distant memory now. Yeah. She's, she's, she's <laughs> there. That's the thing. That's the thing they don't realize is like, you can, you can exist um, in both ways. And so I like to call it like I use half of my energy to um, build up communities 
and let people know that, hey, we got this. We have the strength within us. And then I use half of my energy to punch bullies in the throat, metaphorically speaking, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. And so it's very important. You got to hold off the bullies to give people the opportunity to grow and thrive. And there's a lot of bullies out there right now. So it all exists in one optimistic rage. That is my signature. Optimistic uh, rage. I love that. And I know that that was a metaphor, but I do have a really fun image of you out on the streets punching bullies in the throat. It's like my superhero, Maya. (laughs) Like, exactly. I was like, everybody, metaphor, metaphor, because I know somebody's going to find this and be like, Maya wants to punch people in the throat. And I'm like, no, the superhero version of Maya wants to punch people in the larynx. Yeah. Well, uh, where, so remind everyone where they can find you and follow you and listen to you. I am Maya on stage on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, even Peloton, which Wait, I what? did get to meet Day. Yes, I'm Maya on stage on Peloton. So if you're on Peloton, find me there. People uh, tend to find me and it's so much fun because I tell people about it. And I'm like, we can pedal for democracy. Um, it's how we win. And the Midas brothers, uh, you know, uh, the Midas touch guys, Ben uh, Mazalis has, uh, or, or no, yeah, it was Ben challenged me to a, a Peloton duel. So. Oh, well, I want in on this. Yeah. Okay, we'll we're going to have to we'll have, to do a we'll fund have to have some sort of challenge, yeah. some get out the vote type of thing. Right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, great. So, yes, that's where you find me. Find me out there. And the on uh, Lincoln Project TV. Oh, yes, on LPTV. Yes, sorry. I should plug LPTV, Lincoln Projects, our shows. We're doing a ton of town halls right now. Um, each week we are focusing on a particular state that's critical for holding our democracy. So uh, this week we are focusing on Wisconsin. So definitely tune in to that. Um, and, yeah, uh, we, we like to have fun. We like to fight for democracy, but make it fun. So find me there. Let's do this together. Let's save democracy. I don't know where else I'll go with it. <laughs> It doesn't work out. I can't believe your amazing capacity to do the perfect segues, but next week we're going to have the chairman of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, Ben Wickler, on our show. So uh, thank you for teeing that one up for me. Uh, but mostly, what a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for, for helping us out on the show this week. And um, uh, let's let's do some more of this stuff together. It's really fun. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you for having me, Steve. Thanks for joining today. This is how we win. You know it. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at howwewinpod. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, wherever you get your pods. Share our show with your friends and family. We really appreciate that. we got to knock the fascists off the charts. There is always more work to do, so we will be back with some more next Wednesday.